What is it about the unexpected familiar that creates hope when everything is in question? When a writer or a director reaches deep into the past to pluck out a character and bring them to the present like a savior who has come to set their people free. And the fans don't always need a good savior, do they? They just need someone they can trust who reminds us of when the story was really good. And so it was, as we watched with bated breath, the first trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. As it ended with the maniacal laugh of Emperor Palpatine, our hearts soared and goosebumps ran up and down our arms. What? How? Yes! Hope in the form of Palpatine's return is a river and we are eager vessels ready to be filled up. Of course, the Emperor's return leads to a lot of unanswered questions like, um, didn't you blow up in a million pieces? And his return doesn't necessarily guarantee Episode 9 will give fans the satisfactory conclusion they deserve. With Han dead, Luke relegated to ghost status, and Princess Leia limited to what Carrie Fisher could film before her death, I mean, it's great having Lando back, but let's face it, other than Darth Vader, the Emperor is the only character with enough weight from the past that could come in and help preserve the greatness of this saga. As the biggest baddie of all baddies, creating havoc and fear through six of the eight movies, the Emperor deserves to be there at the end. And after you watch this video, you'll see how the Emperor was also a part of Episodes 7 and 8, even though we never saw him. You aren't going to want to miss this one. But before we explain exactly how Emperor Palpatine will return from certain Death Star Oblivion, we'd like to thank our sponsor for this video, MixTees.com. They have the nerdy couture you are looking for. Use coupon code THEPOPCAST to get 20% off everything on the site, including cool Star Wars apparel you can wear to the premiere of The Rise of Skywalker. Okay, back to Darth Sidious. Not only do we believe we've figured out how the Emperor got his new groove back, but we believe he is deeply connected to Rey, and his connection will explain all of the things we don't understand about her. But there are questions. Has Palpatine been the puppet master all along, or is he as much a victim of the will of the Force as everyone else? And how exactly will Lucas Story Group and J.J. Abrams resurrect Palpatine so that it's believable and connects smoothly with the recent Star Wars storyline? During an interview with Empire Magazine, Abrams said, I completely understand why some people feel that we shouldn't revisit the idea of Palpatine, but if you're looking at the nine films as one story, I don't know very many books where the last few chapters have nothing to do with those that have come before. If you look at the eight films, all of the setups we're doing in nine are there in plain view. This means Palpatine will play a significant role in the film and should become the main antagonist with Snoke now dead and the likely redemption of Kylo Ren, who is currently the supreme leader of the First Order and number one baddie in the Star Wars universe. But to achieve an Emperor comeback tour, we have to revisit the scene in Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, where then-Chancellor Palpatine tells Anakin the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Plagueis was so powerful and wise, he could influence the midichlorians to create life and keep the ones he cared about from dying. Of course, this would get Anakin's attention and would be the speech that sends him spiraling into the dark side we come to learn that Darth Plagueis was Palpatine's master and Palpatine killed him in his sleep after learning all of his secrets. 
It's in this story that we begin to see how it's possible that Palpatine could return despite being killed by his pupil Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. The secret is in a technique called Essence Transfer. This is a dark side power used to transfer one's own consciousness into another body or inanimate object. Star Wars history is filled with Sith Lords who wielded this power to live for thousands of years using a multitude of bodies and talisman extending their lives. But for the purposes of Emperor Palpatine and this story, we only need to go back to 67 years before Luke blew up the Death Star to a Sith Lord named Darth Tenebris, the master of Darth Plagueis. Sheev Palpatine was only 17 years old when his future master was plotting to kill his own master, as the Sith often do. Plagueis found Tenebris in a moment of weakness and seized on the opportunity to end his life, feeling he'd learned all he needed from his master. But Darth Tenebris had been waiting for this moment for a long time as it was part of his plan. As he was dying, he manipulated the midichlorians and transferred his essence through them to an infected wound on Plagueis' lower back. Tenebris' plan was to wait until Plagueis gave him access to the Chosen One, who we all know would eventually become Anakin Skywalker. Tenebris would then transfer his essence into the Chosen One and then carry out the Sith Grand Plan in Anakin's powerful force-wielding body. That plan would eventually become a theme with the Sith, as we are about to see. Unfortunately, after the essence transfer, Tenebris got a glimpse of the future and learned Plagueis would be killed by his own apprentice before giving him access to the Chosen One. He lost focus, was unable to maintain his hold on Plagueis, and his essence was cast into the Abyss. This moment is important because it shows us that essence transfer is a premeditated tool that the Sith will use to extend their life. It's not for emergency purposes only. Sith prepare themselves to use this power. It is a technique that the Sith have passed down for generations. Darth Plagueis continued where his master left off, becoming totally obsessed with extending his life too. He would also teach this to his apprentice, whom we all know will eventually become Darth Sidious, and then the Emperor. Sidious learned about the dark side from his master over the course of decades. Plagueis taught his apprentice everything he knew to prevent the power he had amassed from being lost forever if something happened to him. Sidious was taught that as a Sith, one of his purposes was to extend his reign indefinitely. This became a part of Palpatine's core beliefs before we meet him as Chancellor Palpatine during The Phantom Menace. In fact, Ten years before the events of Episode One, Palpatine watched Plagueis take the life of another Sith Lord only to resurrect him and then kill him over and over again. Following that event, Plagueis and Sidious entered a meditative trance that tipped the scales of balance in the Force in favor of the dark side. Palpatine was fully trained in the manipulation of life force. This is confirmed in the Darth Vader number 25 comic book when Sidious was involved in the unnatural creation of Anakin Skywalker, who was born without a father. Emperor Palpatine would continue practicing this technique in search of a vessel that he could transfer his essence into in an attempt to not only lengthen his life, but also wield greater power and achieve galactic domination. This process would start with creating Anakin, and as you will soon see, end with the creation of a being that can finally give him what he's always wanted. Anakin, the Chosen One, was likely who the Emperor wanted to use as his vessel. 
but when he was beaten by Obi-Wan Kenobi on Mustafar and nearly killed, Palpatine would change his mind and continue the search for someone else. During the transition from Anakin to Darth Vader, Palpatine would meet a scientist by the name of Silo. Dr. Silo was part of the team that saved Anakin and created Darth Vader, and he was obsessed with extending his life via cybernetics. This extension of life lined up perfectly with the Emperor, who employed Silo for the next 20 years. Silo and various clone geneticists will likely be the team that will help the Emperor eventually extend his life. But more on that in a bit. It is believed that Darth Vader's helmet and armor was created with the help of Sith alchemy to enhance it and make it stronger. This would allow easier control of the armor by a Sith Lord. And since the only other Sith Lord around at the time was Sidious, we can assume that it was his Sith alchemy which would give him a very close bond to Vader's armor on a deeper level of the dark side. This will be the key to Palpatine's survival. At this point, we are at the end of the prequels, and there is a lot of things that happened in the Star Wars universe behind the scenes before and during A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. There are 23 years between the time Anakin becomes Vader and when the Emperor appears to be killed on Death Star 2.0. Specifically during this time, Darth Sidious becomes Emperor Palpatine and has a lot of time to plot and plan for the extension of his life before he gets stabbed in the back, er, uh, I mean, justifiably killed by Vader. The movies don't show us what's happening, but it's critical to understanding Palpatine's motivation going into Episode 9. In the recent trailer, the Emperor makes us feel that everything is happening as part of some larger plan of his that he's been waiting for. If what we believe is right, this plan would have started following Order 66 and the betrayal and decimation of the Jedi. With the Jedi out of the way, Palpatine took the old Jedi Temple on Coruscant and transformed it into his Imperial Palace. Beneath the palace, the Emperor built a Sith Shrine, a throne room, and a personal cloning facility. These places will be very important during Episode 9, as we've already seen a couple of hints in the final trailer. But before we connect those pieces together, it's important to understand the Emperor is a win-at-all-costs kind of guy. As we said earlier, he believes one of the most important things is to extend his reign by any means possible. But he also believes that if that reign can't be extended, then no one should reign. Palpatine believed the Empire should not survive him. As a result, he put a contingency plan in place to ensure the destruction of the Empire if he should die. Just before Luke came to the second Death Star to confront Vader, the Emperor sensed that some deciding fate was about to happen and as a result, put the contingency plan into action. And get this, he also sensed Snoke, although he didn't know what that meant. Both of these facts come from the novel Aftermath, Empire's End, and the novelization of Star Wars Episode VIII, The Last Jedi. Both books are considered canon and written after 2017. These are Disney approved, which would lead us to believe that they've been trying to create a better connection to the earlier stories, which includes Palpatine's return. So if the Emperor knew something was going to happen and that there was no guarantee he would survive, he would not have simply accepted his fate. He would have been ready to make a move, and that's exactly what he did. Remember the climax of Return of the Jedi when Luke refused to finish off Vader and told the Emperor he would never be turned to the dark side? 
The Emperor decides to kill Luke with Force Lightning, and we can feel the conflict oozing from Vader who is standing right next to the Emperor. We are led to believe that the Emperor is taken by surprise when Vader picks him up, but that is not true. The Emperor is keenly aware of Vader's feelings and the conflict he has had over the previous 23 years. At this moment, when Luke is begging for his father to save him, the Emperor might believe Vader wouldn't betray him, but he wouldn't bet everything on it. The moment Vader makes a move on him, you can bet he would have done something to try to save himself. And just a special note here that George Lucas would probably not like us to notice, Vader goes from standing next to the Emperor to being directly behind him and picks him up. So while it seems instantaneous to us, the reality is the Emperor may have been wondering why Vader was circling around behind him during this intense moment. So thanks to his earlier spidey senses about something fateful about to happen, and now with Vader lifting him up into the air to throw him to his death, the Emperor would have reached out the only way he could to save himself, with an essence transfer. We can already see that Palpatine's force lightning is swirling around Vader's helmet in the few seconds before he's thrown. And then one last tendril of lightning filters through Vader's helmet, giving us a glimpse of his skull. The force is already pulsing from the Emperor through Vader. And when you consider that connection, plus the fact that Palpatine's Sith alchemy is inside Vader's armor, it makes sense that this is the moment the Emperor transfers his essence into the helmet. Sounds crazy, right? But it's not. Not in the least bit. The Star Wars Extended Universe has Sith Lords transferring their essence into talisman, temples, and other relics where they could exist for a thousand years or more, wreaking havoc and malcontent. So for the Emperor to slip into Vader's helmet and await a possible return is totally on the table. In fact, the Star Wars Extended Universe already brought him back once. According to a 1992 comic book series called Dark Empire, six years after the end of Return of the Jedi, Palpatine returns to life via a clone. In the comics, Palpatine has been transferring his spirit from clone body to clone body because his dark side energy was too strong and kept withering and aging him prematurely. This explains his deformed and twisted look. These essence transfers would have been done in his private cloning facility under the Imperial Palace. In order to combat this problem, Palpatine would be constantly striving to find the perfect and most powerful body he could inhabit. When you consider that Silo worked for him and that he constructed Vader, would it be a stretch for Silo to work with cloners using Palpatine and Vader's DNA to create a specimen that the Emperor could inhabit without destroying it so quickly? This would be so Palpatine. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. The second Death Star is destroyed, and Luke gets his father down to Endor and lights a funeral pyre for his body, which includes the Vader armor and helmet. And that's the last we think we are going to see of that helmet, until we get to Episode 7, where we find Kylo Ren talking to it. But how did it get there? In concept art from The Force Awakens, there is an image of an older Luke holding Darth Vader's helmet. This means that after he burned his father's body, he kept the helmet as a way to remember him totally unaware that he was also carrying the essence of Emperor Palpatine with him. Years later, Leia sent her son Ben to be trained by Luke at his new Jedi temple. This is likely where he would have kept Vader's helmet as well. And at the time he starts his Jedi training, Ben had no idea that Darth Vader was his grandfather. But it was likely that while training with Luke, 
Ben would have access to the helmet and as an extension, the Emperor. Palpatine's essence would have sensed the same darkness Leia sensed in her son. Snoke had already been working on Ben for years and this would have given the Emperor an advantage in manipulating Ben if he could have enough time around him. Sensing his strength in the Force, Palpatine wouldn't have taken a chance at trying to possess him, fail, and then be cast into oblivion. But he would have bided his time waiting for the right moment. As long as the helmet was with Luke, the Emperor would be trapped. Palpatine's moment would likely come the moment Ben learns the truth that Darth Vader was his grandfather. His parents had hidden this from him his whole life, and he learns about it from the announcement of a political rival of his mother. At that moment, Ben would have surely felt betrayed, which would turn into anger, resentment, and fear, a perfect recipe for a dark side disaster. And since Kylo asks Vader's helmet to show him again the power of the darkness during The Force Awakens, we know for a fact that an essence within the helmet has been communing with him, and we know it isn't Force Ghost Anakin Skywalker, it's Emperor Palpatine. It very well could be that the first time Ben was shown the darkness was the same night Luke came to him. It is described that Luke felt a dark movement in the Force. This is likely Palpatine showing Ben the darkness. So when he found Ben sleeping and had the fleeting thought to strike him down with his lightsaber, his nephew woke up and defended himself, making his push to the dark side complete. Thinking Luke was dead beneath the crumbled Jedi Temple, Ben, now Kylo Ren, would take his grandfather's helmet and become an apprentice of Supreme Leader Snoke. The Emperor was now close to his goal, but he would need to be careful not to give himself away being in close proximity to the powerful leader of the First Order. Snoke would surely destroy the helmet to ensure Palpatine was cast into the abyss and unable to threaten his power. So the Emperor laid in wait, no longer talking to Kylo Ren, but waiting for his moment to return. The question of who Rey is and who her parents are have been the core mystery of this final Star Wars trilogy. It is her past that will be the key to unlocking the purpose of this trilogy and wrapping up all nine movies. J.J. Abrams is tasked with closing out the Skywalker saga, which started with A New Hope 42 years ago. And in a recent interview with Sci-Fi Wire, he said, We're not screwing around. We were very much aware this is the end of the trilogy and it needs to satisfy. We went into this thing knowing it has to be an ending. And of course, we all know the rise of Skywalker is going to end with the bad guy or girl killed and a hope for the future of the Skywalker name. If you haven't seen a redemption arc for Ben Solo coming, then you haven't been paying attention. But the fallen Ben is likely not the only Skywalker who is rising. And it's not Rey either, or at least, not the Rey we know and love. But let's hold that thought for a moment. Who is Rey? She's a very powerful Force user that needed virtually no training to have master skill levels of the Force. But before we reveal why that's the case, let's look at where she comes from. The answer was given to us in Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Rey finds herself down in the cave on Ock 2, where she is training with Luke. She approaches the reflective cave wall, and we see an endless line of rays. She asks it to show her her parents. She sees two dark figures approaching her, but they merge into one figure, and when it becomes clear, she sees she's looking at herself. 
Ryan Johnson explained this scene as being similar to Luke's experience in the cave on Dagobah, where he learns his greatest fear is himself. Johnson said for Ray, it was meant to signify she can only count on herself. Cool story, bro. In reality, J.J. Abrams is going to use that scene to reinforce the fact that Ray is actually a clone. That's right, she's a clone. And who are the two smudges she can't make out in her vision? It's Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine. Notice how one is taller and bulkier and the other is shorter. Other people have claimed this is Chewbacca and Han Solo, which would make a great story since the Millennium Falcon was on Jakku, but it's likely they had nothing to do with Rey. It would make sense that she sees Vader and Palpatine, since biologically, she came from them. First, we need to understand how Anakin Skywalker and Emperor Palpatine could be her parents. Remember that private cloning facility the Emperor built beneath the Imperial Palace on Coruscant? That is where she was created. And remember when we mentioned Dr. Silo earlier and how he helped turn Anakin into Darth Vader as well as worked for Palpatine for 20 years? It was during that time they would have realized that the perfect DNA to use would be of the two most powerful Sith Lords in the galaxy. According to the new Essential Guide to Characters, a reference book published by Del Rey in 2002, Palpatine had several cloning cylinders in his facility that he used for his experiments into essence transference. Remember the Dark Empire comics we talked about earlier? George Lucas himself directed Dark Horse Comics to bring the Emperor back through cloning when they were making the series. So if that's how the creator of Star Wars wanted Palpatine brought back all those years ago, it's probably the way he would have done the movies himself. And since J.J. was consulting with George about Episode 9 before writing the script, it's likely George told him the same thing. The Emperor needs a clone, and Rey was created for that purpose anyways. So Palpatine must return through Rey. Easy peasy, right? Wrong. The Rey we know is a heroic character, there is no pattern of questionable deeds that could turn her bad so quickly and make it believable. But we saw Dark Side Ray in the previews, didn't we? We sure did. But that wasn't our Ray. And contrary to popular belief, it wasn't another Force vision. We believe Dark Side Ray is the Emperor in a new clone body. Notice how she is wearing the Emperor's Sith cowl? But we heard the Emperor's voice in the trailers, right? Then we saw a side view of his cow with Rey looking up at him. When we finally get to see the rise of Skywalker on the big screen, we are going to see dark side Rey under that cow. And the reason our Rey is backing up is because she sees herself with the Emperor's voice coming out of her mouth. He's been the ultimate villain of the saga for the first six movies, and he will continue to be the ultimate baddie here at the end, as it should be. But where did these Rey clones come from? And how does the Emperor get close enough to transfer his essence into one of them? Before his death in Return of the Jedi, Emperor Palpatine had spent years withdrawn, devoting most of his time to study and meditation in the Sith Shrine beneath the Imperial Palace. It was here that he would obsess about unlocking the secrets of immortality through Sith alchemy and use his ability to manipulate midichlorians in the clones. And as we'll learn, he would finally create a clone that was powerful in the Force and would allow him to rule as he wished. He would create several of them, but before he could use them, he would get trapped in his apprentice's helmet. During the final trailer for The Rise of Skywalker, 
we see an impressive throne fit for an emperor, and we see Rey and Kylo Ren working together to destroy Vader's helmet on a raised dais. We believe these scenes take place beneath the Imperial Palace, where the Emperor spent all those years working on his clones and plotting the future. Once Kylo Ren became supreme leader after killing Snoke, Palpatine would have no longer needed to stay quiet, and he could convince Kylo Ren through a vision to take Vader's helmet below the palace and place it on the Sith shrine he created years ago. We believe this shrine is the black altar Vader's helmet is sitting on in the white room before it is destroyed in the most recent trailer. This room would be close to the throne room we see in the preview as well as the cloning facility Palpatine has been hiding, and this was his plan all along. In the preview, the Emperor says, Long have I waited, and now your coming together is your undoing. And that is exactly what the Emperor wanted. Kylo and Rey to come together and destroy Vader's helmet and the Sith Shrine. It will be in this moment that the Emperor attempts to possess Rey's body, but he will be thwarted by her light side power of the Force, and he will instead send his essence into his cloning chamber where other Rey's still exist. And from this point on, the Emperor will be back in black and ready to take his place as ruler of the galaxy. Of course, the good guys go on to win and there will be more Star Wars stories to come. Stories both from before and after the Skywalker Saga. But one thing still remains unanswered. How did this one Rey manage to get out of the cloning facility and end up stranded on Jakku with no memory of where she came from? The answer is, Rey was always there. There's a pretty important secret on Jakku. Remember that contingency plan Emperor Palpatine put into place in case of his demise? That was on the planet Jakku. If you are interested in learning more, you can read all about the Battle of Jakku to stop Palpatine's contingency plan in Star Wars The Aftermath Trilogy. But essentially, Palpatine had set up a research facility on Jakku to help search out old Sith relics among other things. And wouldn't it be just like Darth Sidious to leave a clone in stasis at the facility just in case he needed her? And after the Battle of Jakku, years later when all was gone and forgotten, the clone stasis pod would have opened up and woke a sleeping child. And as for being the daughter of Junkers who sold her for drinking money, that may be exactly what happened if they found her in the desert and then sold her to Unkar Plutt. But perhaps that wasn't an accident. Perhaps, just as Anakin had been created to bring balance to the Force all those years ago, the little Rey on Jakku was the Force fighting back to bring balance to the dark side. Regardless of what happens when the rise of Skywalker finally hits the big screen, hopefully J.J. Abrams promised to us that there will be a satisfying ending to this trilogy will be true, and the Nine movie saga can reign as one of the greatest stories told for generations to come. If you are excited for the return of Palpatine and enjoy content like this, subscribe and hit the notification bell to get our next video. And of course, if you like this video, smash that like button like Luke blowing up the Death Star. Make sure you share this video with other Sith friends you know, and if you want a behind the scenes look at how this theory was born and what went into making this video, visit us at the Popcast Live YouTube channel and check out our video breaking everything down for you. Also, visit us at patreon.com slash popcastguys or subscribestar.com slash thepopcast and support the channel. 
Help us continue bringing you videos you love. Don't forget to visit our sponsor for this video, MixTees.com, and get your Star Wars gear for the premiere. And until next time, Chewie hit the hyperdrive.